All right. Come on. Was that a great video or what? Thank you, Roly. Great job. Really, really great job. Hello again, Discovery Church. Uh, welcome back. Can we give it up for UC Davis students back in the house today? Good to see a bunch of new faces. If you're new to Discovery Church, uh, we are on an exciting new uh, arc of health and growth. It was a pleasure to be with uh, over 70 people who came to our ministry center Thursday night to talk about uh, the new Discovery Church, what, uh, we, what they can do, and kind of looking into what does it mean to, to lead and to serve. And you just heard from the whole staff. My name is Jeff Kreiser. I'm the transition pastor during a time where Discovery Church is looking for a new senior pastor. And uh, the staff that you saw up here have been doing a fantastic job, each in their own roles, to be able to create space and opportunity for every one of us. I'll tell you, I've worked with a lot of different churches, and there's a little phrase that's talked about in church world and among vocational church pastors. You ready? Here it is. The 80-20 principle. Now, when I say the 80-20 principle, how many of you know what that means? Raise your hand. Good, a lot of you know. It means that 80% of the people come, sit, and observe, and uh, 20% of the people do all the work. We want to flip that here at Discovery, right? Now, 20% of the people not doing anything for a season is right. Sometimes you're going through something in terms of your own life, your own personal health, relationally, spiritually, where you need to take a sideline period of time to recoup, recover, get strong, right? Have we all been there? Or is it just me? <laughs> we all have those times, right? But for most of us, and through the times of life, we can find that one place where we can serve. That time where you're with the children once a month, the, the time you come in to help things happen, admin in the office, coming alongside a discovery group leader and saying, hey, I wanna learn to lead a group. Uh, Thursday night, we talked about three deep leadership. How do we have a leader? And how do we have someone to follow that lead? and learn, and how do we have someone who's just you know, green, brand new, but they're like, they wanna grow and show up. So I wanna challenge you, what does this look like for you, and what does this mean to you as we begin this bodybuilding series today? Uh, because it's gonna take all of us doing what God's asked us to do to be the healthy, strong, growing church that impacts our city and impacts the world, and that's what Jesus wants for us. Everybody with me in that? Really good, good. So let's just take a prayer uh, for a moment and just ask the Lord to, to bless uh, his word as uh, we share together uh, over his word this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we can be your people today, that we can be gathered in the name of Jesus on Davis High School campus in this auditorium. Thank you that we gather in the name of you, Jesus Christ, because you're our Savior, and you're our Lord, and you're our leader. And we pray, Lord, that this morning, we would be uh, refreshed, reminded of things, um, and also uh, brought to a new understanding. Continue to shift, God, our paradigms. Continue to, to give us a lens, God, to, to see the world as you see it. And let that be built up by your, your word and your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Whew. You know, when I look at all of you, I see the irresistibly attractive people of God. Isn't that a fun thing to say? It's so fun, I want you to join me in saying it. And if uh, you're new to Discovery, you're back. We do a lot of this with, when I'm preaching, so bear with it. The irresistibly attractive people of God. Say that with me. The irresistibly attractive people of God. That's what the church is to be. 
And today, when we talk about family on mission and we begin this series of bodybuilding, that's kind of where we want to go in the next 25 minutes or so is to consider what does it take and how do we move toward being the irresistibly attractive people of God. We are in a challenging, challenging time in our society, in our nation, in our cities, right? We see particularity growing, and that can be uh, globally, with a referendum taking place today in Catalonia and Spain, a referendum uh, taking place in Kurdistan in this last week, if you're following the, the world scene, people grabbing hold of that which is local and particular to who they are. We continue wave after wave after wave of addressing and seeing the reality of systemic injustices, the protests related to that that affect all aspects of our society. This week, while all kinds of other things were going on, there was a decision that was made that's really uh, hard, which is that uh, the refugee intake for 2018 for the United States will be around 48,000, which is the lowest number in recent history for the United States. That's hard because around the world, displaced peoples are looking for a place that has some systems that are working. Do you realize Puerto Rico is looking for some systems that are working right now? Any system, right? Puerto Rico was devastated by Hurricane Maria, and all the systems, uh, from the smallest to the largest, were wiped out, and there's a massive process now of having to try and reestablish those systems. So when we look at our, our culture, our world around us, we can see disorder or dissonance or de deconstruction happening. Um, and you know, we have to look around and say, in the midst of it, what is the hope and how do we, as the irresistibly attractive people of God, move toward that in a way that we're going to bring health and systems and functions and around God's design that are going to bring life. But, but first we have to just stop and acknowledge something that's, that we don't really want to look at, which is for our world in some ways, church is a bad word. Church is a bad word. Um, our world in so many ways sees that Christians are part of the problem and not part of the solution. Uh, David Kinnaman is a young researcher. He joined Barna Group back in the early 2000s. And he and Gabe Lyons wrote a book called Unchristian. And in it, uh, they, they interviewed about 1,000 people ages 16 to 29 and found that 38% 30, had a bad impression of present-day Christianity. Eight years later, they just ran a whole bunch more research um, that that number had actually grown, not diminished, over the last 10 years. Let's look at this quote from uh, David Kinnaman. He says, non-Christians' biggest complaints about the faith are not immediately theological. Jesus and the Bible get relatively good marks. Rather, he sees resentment as focused on perceived Christian attitudes, such as 9 out of 10 outsiders found Christians too anti-homosexual, and nearly as many perceived it as hypocritical and judgmental. 75% found it too involved in politics. So this is not going to be a big surprise to us, maybe uh, if you're a UC Davis student or if you, you live here in Davis or we're in the greater Sacramento region. The greater Sacramento region is one of the top places in the nation for nuns. Now, again, not black and white wearing habits, nuns. 
women who've set aside their life, but the nuns, the no religion box checkers when the, the, the interviews are taking place. And so church, church becomes a bad word because the church is, is against things and the church has known what it's against instead of what it's for. And in addition to that, church, by and large, again, writ large, I'm not talking about this congregation or any particular congregation, and I'm talking about public perception, I'm not talking about reality. But, I, but we have to embrace this in order to begin to move toward being the irresistibly attractive people of God. We have to embrace this reality about how the church is seen. It's also seen as irrelevant. I know that because I talk to people who I know who don't yet know Jesus. And what they tell me is they'll drive by a church. Now, we don't have this issue because we meet in a high school. But if there's a church building on a corner, they're going to drive by and they're going to see a church building and they're going to say, that's church and that's for church people and I'm not church people. And they keep driving. See, because people's perception is that the church is an organization or the church is a business or the church is a political movement or the church is this or that, but people have lost sight. People don't realize that church are the people of God. And then I'm not gonna talk too much about this either, but just out and at large, there are people who've been hurt by the church because the church has operated as a business or an organization or a dysfunctional family. Everybody say, ouch. Because you know it to be true, whether it's touched your own life, a family member, or someone else. And, and, and as we're going to move toward bodybuilding, as we're going to move toward that which is going to be healthy and true and good, and we define these things and we say, yes, God, that's what we want to be about. And Holy Spirit, fill us so we can be about that. We have to stop at the beginning right here and go, oof, yeah, God, both whether from public outside perception or internally in the life of the church, the, the walking wounded or the, those who've been hurt, that, that that's a reality. And we have to ask ourselves, can church be a good word again? What is the church? How are we to live together so that our existence is life-giving once again to our neighbors, to our city, and even within the life of our own church? And that's why we're embarking on this. I don't know, I... Hopefully I'm communicating my enthusiasm about this subject. And yeah, we had to start with a downer. <clears throat> you know, bring us down. But I want you to know that that's in order for us to, to be built up. We're gonna end this thing with, with saying, don't be afraid of the checkup. There's some of you who don't like going to the doctor. Some of you don't like going to the dentist, right? But if you don't go, things will get worse. If you do go, you can catch things early, and you can remain healthy, strong, and growing. So let me just introduce you to this bodybuilding concept, and then we're going to talk specifically today about holistic small groups, comprehensive groups, and how they can work. So in terms of the bodybuilding series, I thought it important to talk about something concerning systems. So the next slide is just a quick chart. Um, this is part of what I teach in Marriage and Family in Psychology 200, talking about family systems. So you begin with individual systems, sibling, parent, family, congregation, community, society, and a world social system. And all of you who are in the medical field know you can go below the individual system to systems within. Systems 
at even uh, the, the, the unseen level in terms of how we're organized. It's because God is a God of design and God is a God of order. So body systems to family systems to societal systems and even beyond our global systems to solar systems and how the universe works, it is a place of order and construction. So what God wants for our personal systems, our family systems, for our congregational systems is to operate in a healthy way so that we can speak to a culture of disorder and dissonance with order and life and health. Amen? So let's look at the body. Um, if you can look up this first scripture, if you have a, an app that you want to open or if you have a, a Bible, you can open to that. There's Bibles always available when you come in. Um, they're at the communion stations that are in the middle. And we want to look at Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 5. Now, if you're taking notes, you can put down next to that scripture in your notes, 1 Corinthians 12 or Ephesians 4. Because Paul likes to use this image of the body uh, to help us to understand the church. And it begins in, uh, we're going to begin in verse 3 and just read verse 3 to 5. For the, by, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. And it goes on to talk about the different gifts and how we serve each other. So what it's saying in this passage and in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Ephesians 4 is this. This congregation is the body of Christ, this congregation, with all other congregations in the city of Davis that are honoring Christ and following his word and believing on Jesus Christ for salvation, for life, for leadership, and for eternity, are the people of God. And we're designed to work and operate together like a body. So let's look at this illustration of a body. Next slide. We have systems that make up our body, and I'll tell you, um, what some of those are. You ready? Cardiovascular, digestive, endocrine, exocrine, immune, muscular, nervous system, which when I was writing it down, I'm like, that's how I'm going to feel when I'm talking about the bodily systems to a room full of doctors. <laughs> Renal, reproductive. Um, uh, I wrote that down wrong. Respiratory. <laughs> I left out the S, respiratory and skeletal systems. So our body is made up of systems. Those systems operating well give us a healthy body, right? Very simple. What happens when your respiratory system is compromised? When your how many of you have been sick sometime over the course of 2017? Raise your hand. Almost everybody. Oftentimes our respiratory system is affected. We can't breathe well. You feel weak. Right? And even if it's just affecting your respiratory system, all of your other systems aren't able to function in the way that they were designed. It's just that simple. God made, uh, in that illustration that, that Paul's talking about, our body to be many members, many functions. And in that, in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about hands and ears and eyes and noses. But also, God made these systems that are made to work together for the body to be healthy. Same way in the church. Let's look at the next slide. 
We have eight health characteristics of a church. They were shown in the video, and we'll be showing that each week. We have fun new names for them here, but they basically follow along this, empowering leadership, loving relationships, inspiring worship services, comprehensive small groups, need meeting evangelism, gift-based ministry, effective structures, and passionate spirituality. These systems work and function within church. And when they function well, then together it allows us to be a healthy body. Now, where did this information come from and, and why as we pushed through the summer and we began to think about the fall did we decide to do this? We looked at someone um, who did research in the late 80s into the early 90s and um, it became known as natural church development. It actually originated in Germany through Christian Swartz and Christopher Schock. And they um, actually did studies on 1,000 churches in 32 countries. And um, they asked different questions about what these systems were and what and how these systems would work effectively. So this is a research-based methodology helping to understand not just how church works in Davis or in California or in the United States, but the global church. Some of you here are global citizens. All of us are, think, are globally-minded people. How does the church, wherever it's found on the globe, work and, and function well? Well, it's around these eight characteristics. And so, pausing here, I just want to say we're stewards of systems, whether it's our bodies, our families, the body of Christ, the contribution we make to our society and culture. And just like you personally are wise to go to an annual well check with your doctor, as a church, it's really, really smart for us to pause and to say, how are we doing in terms of what it means to live biblical Christianity in a dynamic and vibrant way to be the irresistibly attractive people of God in Davis, Woodland, Dixon, and the surrounding communities where you live and on the UC Davis campus. Everybody with me on that? So we, we need to not resist the checkup. We need to say this eight weeks is gonna be a season of checkup. And in fact, we're getting a little, little serious about that just while these are up there. So if you have the Discovery app, it's okay to take your phone out right now, and you can go on the Discovery app right now. I'd love to see a few people grab your phones and go there. Um, also, churchwide, if you're new to church today for the first time, welcome to a great time to start at Discovery Church. Uh, but, but on this arc that we are moving on in terms of looking at what it means to be a healthy church. Because when we're healthy, we can move, we can go out, we can influence, we can talk, we can be fully alive. Right, And that's what we want to be as a church, a church that's well here, but is also well day-to-day -day in the community where we live, work, learn, and play. So on that Discovery Church app, you're going to see a survey, and we're hoping that by next Sunday, we'll have received at least 100 survey feedbacks from you. We're going to send an email. Um, we want to make sure that you get uh, your card in today, making sure that you let us know what your email is. We're going to do a church-wide email that invites people to take a survey, and we're gonna basically, using just a simple one to 10 scale, kind of take a, a temperature of our church in terms of where we are as we begin the series in these eight categories. And then week by week, starting today and moving through uh, Thanksgiving, we are gonna be looking at one of these health aspects, and we're gonna take this survey again at the beginning of December, and we're gonna say, did we move the needle a little bit? 
by personal applications, by applications within our families and applications within the life of our groups and the life of our church. Is that okay? So you need to not resist the checkup. You don't know until you know. And once you know, then you can take the actions and the steps to say, this is what I need to do to move toward health. So I'm very okay if you have that Discovery Church app open right now. If you take that survey right now, I'm very okay with that. Right? First impression, just put your, put your answer down and move, move that on. Um, but what we want to do is we want to talk specifically on this list today about, I'm going to go back one. We're going to, we got to save Dom for a second here. All right. Cat's out of the bag. Dominic Toretto's in the house today. Um, so we want to look at comprehensive small groups, the one at the very center of that list. Comprehensive small groups. If you didn't miss it, we were kind of pretty hard, you know, plugging discovery groups today. And that's because we want people to get into the life uh, together that happens in that smaller environment. So we need to be, uh, think first of all about how are we going to think of church. And I want us to take a few minutes now to think of church as a good family. Church as a healthy family. It's very interesting, um, the mentality of a new church development pastor. The, the, the mentality of a team that's going to, to plant a church and what they're trying to, to, to be a part of. If you've ever been part of a new church start, um, and, and to, I'm just going to pause right here and give props, joy, and awesomeness, introduce you to my wife, Heather, and my son, Joel, who are in the house today. Heather and I had the privilege of moving to uh, scenic and beautiful Modesto, California in, 19, in December of 1994 and starting a new church there in 1995. And it was super, super exciting time simply because there is nothing and you have, you're young, you're enthusiastic and you're like, we can create the perfect church, right? And you're all enthusiastic and if we just get the right mission and vision and values and we start doing the right things, then this incredible church is gonna happen. And then, um, um, we planted as a parachute drop. It was door-to-door -door evangelism and talking to people at stores and different places and people looking at us funny about starting a new church. And, and so God started bringing us all these uh, people we didn't expect, right? Wow, yeah. You know, I think back, and in a, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have the privilege of having the person who planted and started Discovery Church here with us on October 15th. And um, he's gonna share maybe some of that story of how this church actually began. Um, and, you know, whenever this happens, we go, oh, what, what could we do to get the perfect church? But then God brings together the different people that he wants because it's not about building, it's not about organization, it's not about mission statements, but it's about relationships, it's about people. And people, of our world, the people that we know in our day-to-day -day life, they're not looking for an organization, they're not looking for a successful business, they're not looking for a mission, they're looking for transparent, authentic, genuine people who are wondering about God, who are asking questions, who are curious, and are finding answers that satisfy their heart and mind in the word of God. And if we can be a family 
that cultivates that, right? And not an organization to do that. Now, I do want to say Dominic Toretto is a great character in the history of movies. Now we can put Dom up. Now, obviously not all of you are huge Fast and the Furious fans, but Heather is, and I just wanted to be able to use this illustration because I think it was just Paul Walker in the original, such a handsome guy. So, um, so the interesting thing about this movie franchise is that behind it all is that Dominic and his sister, the Blood family, begin to meet people, and their phrase is, I don't have friends, I got family. And this idea where all these different people begin to relate and connect to each other in this sense of extended family. Now let that sink in because you're in a room full of extended family. I don't know how many names you know of people in this room, but if they know Jesus, they are your family, not your friends. They are your family, and we build families this way. Some families build families intentionally this way. Um, my friends Matt and Tiffany Leffler, Matt and Tiffany um, uh, were wanting to be able to have children. They couldn't have children, so they decided to adopt. They were involved in Haiti, just like Discovery Church has been involved in Haiti. And when they went there and they worked with one of the orphanages, they met three siblings who were in the orphanage together and they adopted them. But because of the Haitian politics and because of the earthquake and everything that happened there, it took seven years from the time that they began the adoption process in Haiti to these children coming to live with them about two months ago. That adoption process allowed for the Lefflers to build an enormous extended family in Christ, in Haiti, in the United States, build their testimony. And so when these kids came into their family legally, they were part of not just uh, Matt and Tiffany as dad and mom, but they were part of this enormous, wonderful, extended family. I am literally asking you today to reject any idea of church outside the idea of family. And why? Because Jesus is asking us to do that. Okay? Let's look at a couple of scriptures. As much as we like Dom's face. Mark 3.35 Jesus' mom and brothers come. They're pretty um, weirded out by what's happening with Jesus. If you go back and read Mark chapter 3, the whole thing. They're knocking on the door. It's a crowded room, as it often was with Jesus. And some people come to Jesus and say, Hey, Jesus, your mom's here. Mary. Your brothers. They can't get to you. And Jesus looks around the room and he says, who are my mothers? Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? And he says this very famous phrase, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now this is not a rejection of Mary as his mother. This is not a rejection of his earthly blood brothers. This is a massive expansion of the idea of what it was going to be 
for being part of what Jesus was inaugurating. Let's look at this next scripture from Matthew chapter 6, another very famous scripture. Pray then in this way, Jesus taught them, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus called God Father, and he taught us to call God Father. So God is our Father, and those who do his will are our mothers, our brothers, and our sisters. John chapter 1, verse 12. John, in his prelude to his gospel, explains the impact of what it would mean to know Jesus. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, the name of Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Paul, in his letters, more than once talks about the concept of adoption. Just like Matt and Tiffany adopted the kids from Haiti, sisters and brothers, you were adopted by God into his family. Look at this scripture from the book of Romans. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry. Say it with me. Abba, Father. There's so many other scriptures that we, we don't have time for today, and it can be a process of scripture exploration for you this week to challenge what I'm saying. But go back and look at what Jesus says and how he relates and how he operates in the Gospels. How he wants us to understand is, is that, that we are part of the new family of God in the world. And I will tell you, there is hunger for good family in our world, for spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers and true brothers and true sisters who are gonna be there in healthy ways, imparting life principles, creating culture, bringing hope, bringing freedom, bringing joy. And as a good family, <laughs> once you're in the family, you're in the family forever. It's a done deal because of what Christ has done for you, because you've believed and received Jesus. Shortly, we're going to take communion together. It's for those of us who've believed and received Jesus. And as you take it, you reaffirm, I'm a child in the family. I'm a son of the king. I'm a daughter of the king. And he has a unique love and, and, and role and, and opportunity for me in this group called his family, and in this particular expression of it, Discovery Church. And as that family, you ready for this? We need to be about the family business, all right? God has a family business. It was the, what Jesus brought called the kingdom of God. And that initial church in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, our final scripture for this morning, so if you want to flip over there on your Bible app, or if you want to, uh, again, turn to it in your Bible. Acts chapter 2, it's a very familiar passage, 42 to 47. After the, the great multitude believe on the message that Peter uh, shares, they begin to live life together. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. A couple of quick thoughts here in terms of the family business. They were sons and daughters of the king, not only when they were gathered together in the temple courts or when they met as a side group in the synagogue, but they were God's people in the marketplace. They were God's people in the learning place. They were God's people, and they were the followers of Jesus Christ in the homes where they met house to house. It wasn't about the meeting place or space, but it was about the family. It was multi-generational. It was multi-ethnic. Read back in the book of Acts about how many different people from different places around the Mediterranean Ark were in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost and came into that first church. It's an ethnically diverse, generationally diverse place. And very simply, the, the, the family business was prayer and word and worship and love and generosity and need meeting through power and signs and wonders and miracles and, and sharing. It was an amazing group to be again. And it was best seen in the life in these groups that met house to house. Um, the word, the Greek word for this is oikos, the household, the place where people lived and, and dwelled together. And it's in modern American church when we try and do groups or community groups or here we do discovery groups where we're trying to cultivate that very simple uh, way of life of the family of God. And very simply, it's a bunch of people who are trying to obey Jesus, what he taught. That's what it means to be a disciple, Matthew 28, verse 19 obeying everything that Jesus taught. Are you trying to obey everything that Jesus taught as his follower, yes or no? Are you trying to obey everything Jesus taught as his follower, yes or no? Okay, some of you are. Some of you are figuring out whether Jesus needs to be followed in every area of your life. Well, you need to get with others who are on that trajectory, who are on that direction. It matters who you're around. It matters that you're in a group. Don't get isolated. Don't get isolated. We were made to do life together. Let's watch a video that's going to help us to understand how important groups are, and then we'll conclude our time in the Word. You were never meant to walk through life alone. Formed for community, you were made to share your struggles and triumphs to celebrate your victories and breakthrough with others, to be carried when you are weak, to be reminded of his faithfulness when your eyes can't seem to see and when your heart can't seem to feel it. You were never meant to walk through this life alone. You were born into a beautiful and diverse family. The voice of the Lord is calling us to gather his family. He's calling us to usher in revival, to grow, learn, and pray together. The church is crying out for an awakening, and together we hold the answer. The kingdom of God is within you. It is within me. It is within your friends, neighbors, brothers, and sisters. Revival is going to start in our homes. That is where we will thrive. That is where the awakening 
begins. Does that make you want to run to, run to groups? What I want to ask, actually, is our group leaders, our discovery group leaders, to come forward right now. If you're leading or co-leading a discovery group, if you're hosting a discovery group in your home, I'd like you to come forward. And as they move to come forward, I'd like everyone else to give it up for these people who are investing their life. Just come right up. Actually, Caleb, we're just going to be down in front here. Come on, come on, come on. Good. Keep on coming. It's, it's, it takes a lot of people to work this out. Some of you need to learn to lead a group. Some of you need to cultivate the gift of hospitality you have, the home that God's given you. By the way, your house is Jesus's house if you're his follower, right? Let's tuck in here. We're going to just crush in, tuck in, tuck in, tuck in. All right, one more time for this group. I will tell you, as I've talked with various leaders in our church, as we've talked together about the fall and about moving forward, and as we continue to look forward and invite that new lead pastor to come, that the very life of the church is going to come through groups led by those who are in front now, maybe by some of you. I know campus ministries are represented here. And you're doing an incredible work at UC Davis, and we honor that as you're gathering people together into groups as well. We have a youth group that's reinvigorated and moving forward. We have a young life that's being launched for the first time in Davis. Woo! So there's on-campus ministry that's going to be happening. Um, so we're excited for what God's up to in our city. And I just wanted us to be able to recognize as we close these leaders and to pray for them. So I'm going to ask you to stand up where you are, and I want to ask you to extend a hand of blessing. This is a biblical thing. Um, if you're comfortable doing that, just to, to, to say, again, we extend and we, we speak the blessing of God. Father God, we just speak the blessing of God now in the name of Jesus over all of these group leaders, those who are hosting, those who are leading and facilitating the Bible discussions. We believe, God, that the life of uh, what you're doing in this church is going to come through those who've made themselves available to you. God, give them the courage to set aside the time, to set aside their thought, to set aside, God, what you're doing, to be able to, um, uh, to, be able to do the particular work that you're doing in each group. We pray, God, that you would do miracles in the life of the people who are coming and being a part of these groups. God, that you would provide jobs where jobs are needed, that you would provide relational healing where relational healings needed, that you would give vision for what um, life purpose is coming through each person and each family. And we believe and know, God, that you want to do a comprehensive work through the groups that we have at Discovery. And we pray, God, that you would launch us forward beautifully and well as uh, we move into this fall season. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. One more time for our group leaders. We're going to continue and we're going to respond to God. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that as you come to the table this morning, that this is a time for you to commune with God as your Father through Christ, Holy Spirit coming in presence and power and at work in your life. We have those who are available. If you need personal prayer today, um, there's going to be some people over here on this side of the room. Come. 
we'll pray with you and uh, pray with for whatever need that you have. Roly will give you a couple more quick instructions, and uh, we'll have our time of communion together. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. As you mentioned, this is our, our response time, and this is an opportunity for to you to sit and or to stand and 